Hobby Podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we review round seven of the 2023 NRL season. We preview the Anzac round, round eight of the NRL season. We talk about hair pulling, Sam Walker, and much, much more. Join us as we build the Rugby League community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 266 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, how are you doing this week? Oh, Dr. T, I am uh, I'm doing well. Uh, you know, what a, another awesome round of Rugby League. And, um, you know, like, uh, yeah, and the West Tigers finally... Um, Finally getting some points, but uh, but it was only a buy, so, so not that exciting. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and look, unfortunately, the West Tigers also had some bad news, I think, during the week with uh, Adam Dewey. Is he out for, are they predicting 12 to 16 months or something? Is that still, what what do you feel about that? Yeah, I think it is. A, yeah, look, it, it is a big blow. It's tough, I mean, because he's just come back after having a year off too, right? So, um, but look, let's hope, uh, let's hope Adam for his sake that, you know, obviously he could recover well. And, um, yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully he could come back one day, but look, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, a lot of uh, clubs now have some injuries to, to worry about. Right. So it is going to be a, um, it is going to, to be a tough round, but look, you know, um, NRL was sort of well into the season now, like, you know, we're coming up to Anzac round, coming up to uh, state of origin, magic round. It's all coming up. Um, uh, unfortunately, yeah, players like uh, Adam and all that was going to miss out on some some pretty big opportunities. But uh, but yeah, all the best to him. But um, but looking forward to what's going to be happening on the field. I think this week and beyond. All right. Well, we've got a big one in store. It is the Anzac Round preview, uh, but we've we've also got lots of talking points in rugby league uh, in the rugby league world, especially in the media. So um, let's launch right into our. Uh, tackle number one, where we review the previous round, round seven. Here we go. All right, so round seven started off with South Sydney Rabbitohs smashing the Dolphins 36-14 to 14 in, at Suncorp Stadium in front of a healthy 23,000 or so fans. Uh, the Sharks... Uh, on the Friday night game, uh, twenty-two to twelve victors against the Sydney Roosters in front of a very small, uh, I guess, small for well, recent in recent weeks, uh, eleven thousand or so at Points Bet Stadium. Um, another sort of small game, the small crowd, thirteen thousand or so, saw Manly uh, defeat the Storm, eighteen points to eight. That was the Friday uh, main game. And on Saturday, Super Saturday, there were three games. New Zealand Warriors taking out the Cowboys 22-14 to 14 in front of 23,000 or so fans at Mount Smart Stadium. That was followed up by a golden point victory for the Penrith Panthers 16-15 to 15 against Newcastle Knights at McDonald Jones Stadium. A very good 26,000 crowd there saw a an epic uh, final few moments there, uh, and uh, that was then followed up by the Saturday evening game, the local derby, Brisbane versus the Titans. The Broncos running out winners, forty three to twenty six, um, at Seabus uh, Super Stadium uh, in the Gold Coast in front of twenty six thousand as well. So very two very good crowds there. In fact, three very good crowds in uh, far flung locations uh, for, for Super Saturday. For round seven, that was followed up by uh, Canberra winning twenty to fourteen against the Dragons on Sunday at Giro Stadium in front of thirteen thousand, and then to top it all off, uh, the Eels thirty to four smashing traditional rivals Canterbury Banks and Bulldogs, 
at, at the Sunday 4 p.m. game at Combank Stadium in front of 27,000, almost 28,000 fans there at Combank Stadium. And as you said earlier, Tish Tigers had the bye. I think it goes without saying that for me, the Eels, uh, the Eels victory was uh, very sweet to see them put it together in attack. Mm. Um, but I have to say, the you know, the, the well, a couple of really big points uh, that came out of the round was the the Panthers' clutch plays from uh, Nathan Cleary yet again to win that game. Um, mm. What people are forgetting is that the Newcastle Knights. Um, push them to the limit, <laughs> which was mm. probably, you know, a, a Kalen Ponga absent squad yep. um, against a a Penrith Panthers defending champion going for three peat. Um, they seem to be making a habit of these very tight games, and one wonders what's gone gone wrong with them this year um, compared to last year. I, I think the the loss of Coruscant and um, uh, v, uh, Kika, uh, what's his name? Villa Kikau, yeah. Um, yeah, would would play a big role in that. And, uh, and Charlie Stain, of course, oh, no. of course. Oh, you got oh, you got to oh, talk oh. about the big guns, yeah. But look, yep. the Warriors. <laughs> yeah. I, I've got to give it to the Warriors as well. The Warriors mm. uh, putting some points together. They're doing very well. So, um, you know, I always talk about Tish. There's a team that goes under the radar. People never really talk about them until until it's uh, kind of obvious that they're uh, at least semi-final contenders. And I think the Warriors is that team this year. I think Sean Johnson is putting it together there. I think they've got a lot going for them. Uh, Dylan Walker, I think, is doing uh, doing pretty well there. So, look, there's a lot of good things happening there at the Warriors, um, and I look forward to seeing how they go. But, yeah, those are my highlights. Uh, and, of course, Melbourne Storm getting smashed. That's always good. Uh, what about you, Teach? What are your highlights of Round 7? Yeah, well, look, um, let me just address something very quickly, right? So, because uh, I just had a look, because when, actually when I saw the game uh, for the Sharks game, I actually felt that the crowd wasn't bad at all, right? Um, like it looked like a capacitor. So I just actually look at it and just to clear it up, the Sharks fans out there. Um, so so they actually had a really good crowd because they their capacity for their stadium right now is only 12,000. So they... <laughs> So, so they're they're packing it in. They're like, packing uh, the crowds like, in like, there. like sardines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So all they need is a bigger Canola stadium. Sh- sardines, right? <laughs> That's it. It looks like it, but I think I think the construction around um, Points Bet Stadium will will get them there. So um, yeah. yeah, so so I think uh, yeah, they need a bigger stadium, and then yeah, uh, that they could be filling it out more. But look, um, I, I suppose some people call may have thought that that could be an upset, but I just felt that the. The Sharks over the last few years have been a team on the rise and the Roosters are kind of just have been meandering a little bit. So that was a good victory for them. And I think obviously the the hair raiser that you said with the, the Panthers um, against the Knights, um, you know, I think that was, uh, uh, yeah, it's it's very telling. I know we'll go more into that. But look, I, I did actually love uh, the Friday afternoon, Parramatta, oh, sorry, Parramatta, yep, versus the Canterbury Bulldogs. You know the traditional '80s rivals going at it. It was actually a really good atmosphere, and it was really good to watch it on TV. Um, you know, and I think for the first, um, I'd say probably the first thirty minutes or so, I think it was quite, quite, quite a, quite a, quite a close game. But then, you know, I think Parramatta had a bit, uh, like a lot of class. I think, I, th- I think the Bulldogs suffered from some injuries that they had, and maybe, um, you know, that there was this. There is this little thing um, where they kind of um, – I think they had a lot of opportunities, but they weren't able to capitalise. But then Parramatta, with the limited opportunities, were able to. Um, but, yeah, I thought that was a great game. And um, probably, yeah, I, I think Parramatta uh, – like the interesting thing is they won that game quite well, but you could still see quite a lot of improvement that they could have in them. So I think, um, you know, some people were saying that this might be a year where Parramatta might actually fall away a little bit. Um but you know, uh, yes, they're they're sort of sitting low. They've had a a bit of an interesting draw, you know, to begin with. But I think they're a team on the rise now, isn't it? Like, you know, last last uh, last the form's been what three and two, right? So, like their last few games, they've just been winning, right? So I th- I think mm. I think Parramatta actually showed uh, that they that they are a team that could 
uh, that 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 I think will be towards the end. And yeah, and as you said, the Warriors, right? The Warriors are winning games, which is what you need to be doing. And um, you know, they are the unlikely. They are probably what the you know who was under the radar last year that everybody thought will come, um, you know, last or second last. That was the Cowboys, right? Well, I think a lot of people probably had the Warriors in that boat this year, and uh, you know they're proving everybody wrong, and they just seem to have a very good uh, feel about them. You know, like they they seem to when you see them watch and play, they feel you know they've got they've got that little you know the underdog fearless type of mentality. It look it just feels like they they have that sort of freedom. So um, yeah, I suppose I suppose well done. So yeah, so that that was a, yeah very interesting round once again, and. Um, you know, this is yeah. this is this is showing them to be one one. Uh, I think over the last since probably, I mean, you know, l- let's just say we've just recovered, coming back from COVID. I think there's been a, probably in the last four or five years has probably been one of the most interesting competitions that we've had in a while. That's all right, and I think that uh, we talked about you know the the success of the the crowds and and all this stuff and and what the Dolphins really has done. To kind of uh, spark that, I think, and and the injection of the dolphins really has been really a, a great thing. As as has always happened, whenever there's been expansion in the in rugby league, in years gone by, there's always been some positives coming out of it. Um, and I guess the question is, uh, how sustainable is it? But just on before we move on, just on the Warriors, uh, they're coming third in the competition. They're just wow. behind the Broncos and the Panthers. They've only lost two games. They haven't even had their bye yet. Uh, and they're they're you know if they have their buy I don't know when they're are they having their buy this week I don't know if they are but no they're not they're not because of the end ground but um they are uh, you know they're, they're coming third out of the teams in the top four they've got uh they're, they're at forty one dollars to to win the comp um whereas Broncos and Panthers are at seven dollars and three fifty you know so like out of the teams in the top four I could extend it to the sixth and seventh. They are the ones with the the, the highest odds, uh, you know, or the lowest odds, I guess, to, to win the premiership. And so they, you know, the stats are showing that there are there's a bit of a surprise packet. Um, they're uh, they're doing quite well in attack. They're doing quite well in defence. Um, you know, they've, they've got a good points differential. And and yeah, so it remains to be seen if they can keep that up. But um, so far, so good for the Warriors. I think a, a good surprise packet. And uh, you know, the the Eels, after all their recent wins, they've made it all the way to twelfth. <laughs> well done, the Eels. <laughs> you know, you're getting there. You're getting there. So keep <laughs> keep it up. Anyway, all right, let's move on because we've got so much to talk about. Let's move on to um, the second tackle where we discuss some. Uh, some New South Wales State of Origin selection uh, dilemmas. Here we go. All right, so it's about that time of year where State of Origin team selections are being discussed in the media uh, and uh, I don't exactly know when the team is going to be announced, but I'm pretty sure it's imminent because I've seen an explosion of uh, uh, pundits, analysts, and former players, Andrew Johns, Jeff Tuvey, a whole bunch of players, Gordon Towers, talk about their predicted uh, state of origin teams. But in particular, this year, there's been an issue with New South Wales. So uh, I thought rather than go through our our tips for who's going to be selected once there are selections then we can Mm. talk about who's going to win but i think one of the key selection uh dilemmas that freddie fitler's got to contend with is the 5-8 selection so there's been quite a big push in the media to oust jerome luai from the 5-8 position uh and replace him with nico hines who of course was uh, the dalian medal winner last year and has been uh, I think it's fair to say, very much in form uh, at the beginning of this season. Um, so I thought I'd, I'd raise this, Tish, with you to see, look, there's a few options, I guess, that Freddie could go with. Um, and and some, I guess some of the basic questions are around, you know, has, has Nico done enough to uh, supplant Jerome Luai? Has Jerome Luai's form been bad enough to warrant him being kicked out? Um, what happened to state of origin loyalty <laughs> to the incumbents? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think without a doubt, Jerome Luai is one of the main reasons why 
we've we've had any success at all in the last couple of years and you will you will not forget i guess the record breaking games where where we were absolutely on fire and a lot of it had to do with Jerome Luai although yes a lot of it uh you know people talk about the Nathan Cleary effect um but i thought i'd raise that with you Luai versus Hines seems to be the main contention there there's other discussions happening around Campbell Graham should he be brought in uh from South Sydney in in the centers all that sort of stuff but I think it all hinges on this if we get this selection wrong we are going to throw the balance of the team way off um you know there's pros and cons either way so what do you think Luai versus Hines or is there a is there a sneaky third option there that Freddie should consider what do you reckon Tish well, look, you 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 bring up like you know it's it. Look, where do we start? Right, that's, that's probably why. <laughs> let's, let's start with Luai, Jerome Luai. Okay, so I'll say it like this, right? Jerome Luai is he a shoe in? Uh, no, why is he not a shoe in? Because um, New South Wales lost last year, right? And he was part of the spine, right? So I think any player that played game three, you know, um, no spot is guaranteed because we have to improve on last year, right? So the question is, how do we improve from last year, right? And I always, I felt that uh, Jerome Luai has always played quite well for New South Wales. I think his combination with Cleary, I think, has been super important. And I think him on his own has got that X factor that he brings to the squad. And, um, you know, he, he actually scored, um, you know, the first try for New South Wales in Game 3 last year, right? <laughs> so he had an impact in the game as well, right? You know, so... I think from all those point of views, I, you know, I, I think that he's definitely needed. But I think we also need Nico Hines. And I think probably where we probably didn't, weren't able to match uh, Queensland a little bit is that we had limited impact through our bench, right? Because, you know, whereas, you know, Queensland would have the, uh, you know, would have uh, sort of, um, you know, they would have Ben Hunt. Um, coming off the bench and or Harry Grant and you know that sort of have that sort of thing and that's where they were able to make the impact. Um, New South Wales didn't really have that sort of thing. I think in game two we actually did because we picked Damian Cook and Appy Coruscant both right, um, and I think that actually actually sort of helped. Uh, but I think that actually having them both in the squad and having uh, Nico Hines come in uh, as a bit of an X factor as a bit of a um, you know, as a bit of a, a sort of like, you know, attacking weapon off the bench. And he could also cover lots of different positions as well. Um, I think that might be a good uh, way uh, to sort of incorporate him into the team. Um, you know, uh, so so I would say that, um, yeah, I wouldn't actually sack Luai, but I'd actually try and, try and find a spot for Nico Hines because I think he has been playing well. Um, so I don't think that head-to-head. I mean, the only other player that I could think that is a contender to place to replace Luai is Cody Walker. But I think, unfortunately, the times that Cody Walker has played Origin so far, um, you know, it hasn't. You know, he hasn't uh, been able to make the same sort of impact that he's had at club level. Um, which, which a lot of players don't. A lot of great players don't get that uh, thing as well. And I think he's actually. Uh, you know, week to week, I kind of think that he's actually the best halfback in five uh, in competition. But yeah, but I don't know if he's ever going to get picked again. But look, uh, yeah, coming back, I think between these two, I, I'd like to see uh, I'd like to see Nico Hines uh, play for, for for New South Wales. But I'd like to see him probably um, at least you know, like I wouldn't like to see him replace Jerome Luai, uh immediately. I'd kind of like to see him coming off the bench for game one and seeing how that sort of that sort of uh, um, you know game plan would go. Um, what do you think about that? Is that is that a very diplomatic compromise there? So so you're saying uh, keep Luai, put Hines on the bench, yeah, and he can play. And, and to be honest, drop Whiten right because I think you'd be replacing Whiten. Possibly, although Whiten, I think from memory, the last game, the last Origin game, he didn't. He was like the 18th man and didn't get chosen. Oh, okay. So. That's another thing. Who wasn't even there? So yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's all right. Um, we have a well. You've you've actually raised another dilemma because you can't answer. I guess the thing is you can't answer this question without answering the question of 
what do you do with okay. Cook and Coruscant? Because okay. if you if you do Cook and Coruscant, then what you've done is you've possibly selected Cook and Hines on the bench. And mm. where are your forwards? <laughs> you know, it's a tough game. You need strong forwards. And I think I think that was where we went went wrong last year. We had Talakai, Cook, we had Saifiti and Crichton as the only forwards in the last game that we lost uh, mm. at, at uh, game three. And so, yeah, uh, the difference, although this time the difference is we're getting Trebojevic back and Latrell Mitchell uh, and Burton and Crichton are possibly the two centres that aren't going to be there this year. So the question about Hines, I think, Look, I, I'm very hesitant. I, look, can I just start by addressing the Luai thing? Because there's a lot of hate for Luai, and we're going to talk about some of that later in a, the hair-pulling incident. Um, there's a lot of hate for Jerome Luai and a lot of discussion online about how he's nothing without Nathan Cleary. I think people are forgetting that he virtually carried Samoa to the World Cup final <laughs> last mm. year. Um, there was no Cleary then. In fact, he was, he was outside... Uh, Anthony Milford, who I think if you, even during the tournament, had a few shockers. And so for someone like Jerome Luai to make up for Milford's uh, failings last year in, the, in that tournament uh, is virtually a, a miracle, the fact that they got to the final. Uh, so I think, and also he's proven time and again that when Cleary isn't there and he's given time, to kind of settle in, that he is that X factor, whereas Nathan Cleary is very much the, you know, the clinical, massive kicking game, clutch player, um, not necessarily the most creative, but a good organiser of the team and inspiration. Luai plays a different game, and I think that has worked for us in the past. When it works for us, you see the score that we saw in Game 2 at Perth, of all places, last year where we won 44 to 12 when we when we turned it on we turned it on and and i think the questions that fitler has to answer are around what was the difference between game 2 and games 1 and 3 last year what is it that uh, we lacked that uh, or you know something about the combination that that means that we have to change it because i think that question is kind of fundamental because if you're going to throw in Nico Hines and and remove Jerome Luai, you are potentially removing uh, a very strong combination, a two-time premiership winning combination mm. there at 5-8 and halfback. Absolutely, in my mind, there's no evidence to suggest that yeah. Hines would be a better uh, companion to Nathan Cleary. Uh, I don't know what he brings in terms of the complementary skills that he has. Um they're both kind of organisers. In fact, they're both very similar type players. So yeah. I guess in my mind, the question is, if you really want to pick two, then Nico Hines will have to play the dummy half role in place of either Cook or Carousel. And I think Damien Cook possibly misses out. Um, possibly he hasn't shown enough, I think, this year, although you might say, <laughs> as a Tigers fan, what, what has Coruscant shown? Well, I think mm. he showed against the Eels. He was the reason why they got even as close as they did towards the end of that game. Um, yeah. It was his creativity. And I think if we bring that in state of origin, as he, we know he's capable of doing, potentially we've got Coruscant and Hines on the bench to cover Coruscant and or other backline positions, which then gives you space to put some really strong forwards on your bench. Um, you know, you've already got Junior Paulo there. You're probably going to have Trebojevic, Cameron Murray, Martin, Yo. You might want to throw in uh, maybe Saifiti. Maybe there's uh, Okolat, uh What's his name? Okolawatu. Is that how you say? Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there, there are quite a few other options that you might want to consider. Um and then, and then you've got the other question. Oh, and Campbell Gillard potentially. You might want to throw him in that as well. Um, Payne Haas is going to be there. So, a lot of the squad from last year will be the same. Um, but yeah, uh, but that, I guess that's my thing. I, my 
my recommendation, my final piece of advice to, to Freddie Fiddler is stick with Luai. If you want, put Hines on the bench, but you're going to have to give up Cook or Curacao uh, because otherwise you're carrying too many utility players on the bench and not enough uh, forwards that, that have the potential to kind of, you know, get you to go forward, which is what you need uh, in this game. And, you know, the game that we lost um, at the end there, we didn't have Payne Haas. Um, mm. the, so that, there's an argument there that his influence uh, is, is going to be really important. And uh, you need to have a backup for Payne Haas, someone who's that size. So, uh, but yeah, that's my, my final bit of advice. Tish, what's your final bit of advice for uh, Freddie Fiddler? Yeah, well, look, um, you know, I'm actually looking at the squads from from Game Three last year, and and you know, a couple of things that I that I've noticed is that okay, so we did have Talakai coming off the bench. Um, now he normally plays in the centers, even though he's probably built like a, a forward, right? Um, but it, but it essentially is two backs and two forwards uh, coming up against three, <laughs> uh, you know, three forwards and one back. Oh well, I suppose Harry Grant plays. Uh, Dummy half yeah, as well, so it's, like, it's kind of yeah. like it's kind of like four, right? Um, so yeah, but I suppose um, you know they always drop Ben Hunt into sort of uh, the back line a little bit when when Harry Grant comes on. So yeah, so so I think I think you are kind of right there. So there's probably some changes there, and and yeah, you talk about you know Travojevic and Latrell Mitchell both being there. So then you know Burton and and I think Crichton's actually played quite well. So you might even have. Crichton on the wing with two, per- yeah, you're gonna like. There's gonna be, I think, there's definitely gonna be some changes, um, and and I don't think they necessarily need to be with the spine <laughs> to begin with. Like, I don't see changing the spine improves anything right now. I think it's more, more sort of the, as you said, the go forward plus maybe the the backs and the attacking weapons. I mean, I think. Uh, you know, Josh Adokar has, has uh, you know, he's got an injury and he won't be playing Origin this year. But I think also Brad Fittler's dodged a little bit of a bullet because he controversially didn't pick him for all three games last year. Right? Um, <laughs> That's right. And, 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 yeah, and then, um, and you know, if you think about it, they, they were missing a little bit of X Factor, <laughs> right, throughout the, throughout the series. Speed, so, speed, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, particularly particularly when you've also lost two of your other X factors in Trevojevic and uh, and Latrell, right? You've you've got you've got um, you know you've lost all that sort of you know plays out of nowhere, um, you know spark. So so yeah, so I think that's that's where New South Wales will be. But yeah, it's going to be fascinating. And and look, I mean, we're going off what happened last year, and you know we haven't even looked at the other side of the coin with Queensland, right? With you know the way the the Dolphins have been playing, and and to a lesser extent, in the Titans have not had a bad start to the season either. There could be some other changes that Queensland might put in. They might even have a stronger lineup than what they had last year too. So, so it's going to be look. I think just because if you're going to have a really uh, close competition in the NRL, it's going to mean that the Origin series I think is going to be off the chart this year. So um, I'm just getting excited talking about it right now, Doctor T. So. Uh, yeah, maybe we need to move on to another topic so I can just calm myself down a little bit. <laughs> That's right. Let's let's talk about another calming topic, which is the Sam Walker dummy spit. Here we go. Tackle number three. <laughs> Uh, very intense music there for an <laughs> investigative journalism coming up. Yeah. Look, so this topic is about Sam Walker of the Roosters. There has been a difference in opinion over how the Roosters should attack, uh, and that difference of opinion has led to tension between the family of dumped halfback Sam Walker and the Roosters coaching staff. Um so the Walkers family are privately claiming the Roosters don't play a style of football that suits the young Queenslanders' strengths. Uh, Walker has struggled for form this year, uh, and Trent Robertson has recently dumped him to the New South Wales Cup in favour of Joseph Manu-Luke Keery combination for the Anzac Day clash against St. George Illawarra, an all-important game. 
The Walker family has privately raised concerns. I don't, I don't know how it privately it ends up being in the media, but there you go. Uh, over the club's game plan and the influence of Harv's consultant, Cooper Cronk, on the style of football Walker is being asked to play. Walker's father, Ben, and Uncle Shane, some of you guys will know, are renowned for the off-the-cuff freestyle brand of football they coach at Ipswich in the Queensland Cup. It's a type of football Sam Walker was raised playing, and the family believes Walker is hamstrung by the attack style of the Roosters, which is influenced by Cooper Cronk. So this is sounding like this is sounding like the the housewives of Las Vegas or something. It's 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 such a drama. It's like the Kardashians of the Roosters. It's I don't know what's going on. Cooper Cronk's involved. It, Phil Gould's got something to say about it in this article that I'm reading. There's all sorts of stuff happening. But look, ultimately or fundamentally, it's about um, a difference of opinion between <clears throat> the family of a player who's just been sacked because he's had uh, a run of poor form this year and a difference of opinion about how to uh, get the most out of that player the difference is usually when you hear these sort of, uh, you know, soccer dads kind of thing, uh, arguing with the, the coach about the best way that little Johnny should be played and and uh, he should be put up front and score the goals and all that kind of thing. The difference here is that in this game, uh, we've got the parents uh, happen to be renowned coach, uh, a renowned coach in his own right and who has a particular style that he plays and has also, I guess, indoctrinated into his son growing up. And so I guess the question is, this was never an issue until until this year. Sam Walker's been there for a little while. Um, I guess you could argue what's changed. Well, what's changed is that he's run out of form and he's been sacked. That's what's changed. And uh, it could just be a bit of a dummy spit. So, Tish... Um, as our resident uh, Judge Judy here, uh, we have the need to call on your wisdom and counsel. How are mm. we going to resolve this issue? We've got Trent Robinson. We've got Gus Gould, Cooper Cronk, Sam Walker, Ben Walker, Shane Walker. We've probably got Jeff Tuvey requiring an investigation. There's, there's a lot mm. of things happening all at once here. What is your advice about what should happen uh, and, and and how to resolve this? Yeah, well, look, I think um, I think firstly let's 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 go to the scope of, of Trent Robinson's job, which is deliver <laughs> premierships for the Sydney Roosters and their club members, right? Which pay a certain amount of their income to be supporters of the Roosters so they can get tickets and all that sort of stuff. Um, that's who he's accountable to, right? Um, and uh, not the Walker family, <laughs> right, who have won uh, how many uh, NRL premierships between them? Uh, zero, I don't think. Yeah. yeah, zero. Yeah. So, so look, um, it's all good that Sam's got a particular style. I mean, look, yeah, I mean, Benji Marshall had his own style, right? Everybody's got their own styles that they might have, uh, you know, raised as a kid. But maybe this could be the problem with Sam, right? He... He just can't adapt to the NRL style, which is fine. Go play in the Super League. It's all good, right? Um, <laughs> you know, or go back to park football if you want to play your style. But, you know, like, um, you know, we've had so many great junior stars that have, you know, gone and uh, to the uh, to the NRL, like gone to the um, NRL level and then, you know, and then they were stars and then they just couldn't adapt. Um, but I don't think Sam's like that, actually. I actually think that Sam Walker, he he's actually done really quite well for the Roosters. I can't say that they've had the best season this year. I don't think it's 100% him um, that is the, the sole reason for those. Um, but I, I can see, like, if I'm sort of reading between the lines, you know, I think Sam Walker probably does some things on the field which I don't think Trent Robinson would necessarily agree are the best things to do. Like, I remember a couple of seasons ago where he, uh, you know, he he ran the other way, right, Uh to finish the game, <laughs> I thought it was pretty clever, but like it wasn't, it wasn't really the the style. So I could see like little things like that, um, you know, irking sort of Trent Robinson. But I, you know, I actually don't. Yeah, so so that's that's where it is. So, but what I think is interesting is that uh, I think everybody's overlooking Joseph Manu, right? Because Joseph Manu um, has probably got an all. A, a, an offer from the All Blacks, right? And right now, 
Um, he's he is a great player, but he can't play fullback, which is probably his best position because James Tedesco has got that, who is equally a fantastic player, right? Um, so where do you put him in, right? That's that's the challenge because at the centers, I don't think he's getting enough ball. Um, so I think he's got to find a spot. I think Trent Roman's got to find a spot that's a bit more uh, that gets more ball to Joseph Manu. And I think the problem with Luke Carey and uh, Sam Walker is that they're kind of the same player, right? Um, so I feel like uh, they're too similar and it, it just means that there's not enough variety in their attack. And I think that's that's probably why it's all one-paced a little bit. So I, I think by moving or sort of uh, not – yeah, by experimenting with Joseph Manu as a 5'8 against Luke Keary – um, I think it's just to try and see how that would work and then reincorporating Sam back in on another part of the field or another role um, so you could get both. I, I, yeah, I think I think that's where the experimentation is coming from. And I think the reason why Trent Robinson is doing it now as opposed to doing it later is because um, I think I think he's fairly confident that the Roosters can make it to the finals, but I don't think... Uh, I think he wants to know what the right combination to bring the best success for them is. Um, so I think that's where they're at. As far as what the Walkers go, look, I, I, yeah, I mean, look, they're obviously going to be biased, right? Um, because, like, you know, nepotism's uh, alive in twenty twenty three, right? Um, but I, but um, but but yeah, but I, I don't think, yeah, I think it just makes it worse for Sam by coming out and saying and saying stuff to be to be quite totally truthful, but. Um, um, yeah, so was I like Judge you or was I like Dr. Phil then, uh, <laughs> Dr. T? <laughs> oh, look, <I'd, clears throat> maybe I'll play the Dr. Phil role and you can be the judge, <laughs> judge dish. But yeah. look, uh, you know, I, I think it's a it's a tough situation. I think um, I think you're right there in saying that maybe maybe at the end of the day, these these uh, two styles, two players are too similar in style and, and the balance is not really working there for the Roosters. So uh, it might be better to consider moving on, I think. Uh, but yeah, that's, um, that's something to consider in future. But uh, look, we uh, we'll talk about another player that might be moving on a little bit later, but before we do, let's move on to tackle number four. It's about hair pulling of all things. Here we go. All right, that exciting Panthers and Knights game last weekend uh, not only uh, saw us witness some clutch plays, particularly from Nathan Cleary to win that got in golden point for the Panthers, but we also saw a controversy uh, where Tyson Frizzell was uh, was he penalised for pulling <clears throat> Jerome Luai's hair as he went for a tackle as Jerome Luai was running past him. Um, and <clears throat> boy, has there been lots of discussion about it, none more so than from a former Broncos and Dragons player and Queensland and Aussie legend, Gordon Tallis, uh, a very tough man himself, and he came up with some tough words about what happened. He's very much, uh, you know, siding with Tyson Frizzell, saying, well, what, what did you expect him to do? He, uh, uh, you know... He was he was grabbing at his jersey. Happened to get a, a wad full of Jerome's hair. Uh, he didn't mean it deliberately. And you know what? If Jerome wants to, uh, you know, complain about it, why doesn't he? Why shouldn't the NRL Im- implement a tie your hair up or cut your hair policy so that this doesn't happen again? And uh, you know, before I ask for your opinion on this, Tish, I will remind everyone that. Um, that this didn't really, this wasn't really an issue back in the seventies and eighties when, when, yeah. uh, when Peter Sterling had a, a, a golden mane of hair. <laughs> yes, he did have hair. Those of you who are millennials, uh, he, uh, you know, it didn't, it wasn't an issue back then. And, you know, <clears throat> even if you don't want to talk about the past, um, we have the NRLW to look at and mm. uh, how often does hair pulling, uh, become an issue there. You, yes, you've got lots of players with their hair tied up, but you've also got lots that have just ponytails that, that do uh, get in the way a bit and others that 
have all sorts of styles where um, very much you could accidentally grab someone's hair. And I think, I guess the point I'm trying to make, Tish, is um, for Gordon Tallis and 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 the 99% of social media commenters on this that, that agree with Gordon Tallis that say that it should be, uh, you know, you should just cut your hair and 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 you shouldn't be allowed to have long hair if you're if you're in the male game. Um, I just remind you that this is not an issue at all in the women's game. Uh, you know, if if you pull someone's hair, you may get penalised. You may not. I guess it's a case by case situation. Was it accidental? Could you have pulled out of it? Could you have grabbed another part of their body when trying to grab them? Um, Gordon Tallis referred to his infamous. Uh, jersey pulling uh, tackle in State of Origin against Brett Hodgson, where he dragged him a good 10, 15 metres sideways and bundled him out of uh, out of the sideline. Um, one of those highlight reels <laughs> that you'll see in Gordon mm. Tallis's career, a memorable uh, tackle. And what he was saying was, if Brett Hodgson had long hair, um, I may have been penalised because I may have accidentally grabbed his hair along with his jersey. Well, here is my question or my, my issue there is that he's trying to make a comparison that that really makes no sense because it was a completely different type of tackle. Um, in the Brett Hodgson tackle, if you remember, he was sort of on the ground and he picked him up and pulled him. He could have picked him up from his pants. He could have given him an atomic wedgie on the way out. Mm. It wouldn't have made a difference. It would be up to the, the referee to work out is that um, – in the spirit of the game or, or was that a legitimate tackle and all that kind of thing. And the way they're playing now, um, if you grab someone by their jersey, that's considered part of the body. And so you are actually allowed to do that, I think, to some extent, unless I'm mistaken. So in my mind, I guess, you know, the, the penalty was more for the fact that Tyson Frizzell grabbed um, uh, Luai's hair and it was quite obvious that, that yes, he had started to grab his jersey as well, but then he had let go of the jersey, as far as I could tell, unless I'm mistaken, Tish. Um, uh, but I'll get your view on that. Am I seeing the video incorrectly? Um, would you consider that a borderline case where maybe he shouldn't have been penalised? Maybe it was in the action of grabbing the jersey, some hair got in the way, in which case I say play on. But obviously the referee didn't see it that way. So... Tish, um, I guess over to you. What do you think about that particular situation? And then the broader point of uh, that Talos is making around, uh, you know, should should players be made to cut their hair or bundle it up somehow? What do you reckon? Yeah, well, look, let me let me start with the broader point, right? So, um, you know, you brought up Peter Sterling, right? And I've seen, you know, this week I've seen some footage of of uh, of the NRL back in the seventies and eighties, and the bar, you know the barbaric style compared to the modern <laughs> game it was, right? And, um, you know, the NRL had to clean it up. And, uh, you know, if you go to an NRL function and you see all these legends, they either have no hair or they have a toupee, right? I think even Kevin Hardwick of Balmain fame has no hair anymore, right? And it's because of the infamous hair pulling that used to happen in the 80s, right? <laughs> <laughs> Right. So in the same way, you know, like we want to prevent, um, you know, concussions from happening. I think the NRL had to step in and have to, you know, um, you know, ha- had to uh, had to sort of, uh, uh, you know, yeah, try, try and try and protect the hair of NRL players, you know. And, um, you know, I, look, I'm even comfortable of enacting the 18th man if the hair pulling is out of control. Um, so you you're, know, what I, you're I suggesting think, is there's an additional HIA hair impact assessment. Um, there is, there is a hair. That's right. That's right. That's right. We get queer eye for a straight guy hairstyles in uh, with their hairsprays, uh, with with their you know you know uh, pilot medication, whatever whatever needs to happen to protect the hair of uh, NRL players. Uh, we could have emergency uh, braiding happening. Uh, on the sideline <laughs> um, to ensure that hair is protected at, at its very most. I mean, look, we don't want to. Well, I mean, how disgusting is it if you if you find hair in a soup, right? So, look, we might even have to go where it's either headgear or a shower cap. But 
the hair is no go. Um, that's that's what I'd see, you know, because we, we do need to protect it. It's a, you know, it's a, you know, you lose your confidence, you lose your self esteem. Uh, you know, uh, you know what happens. You know, sometimes you'll you'll uh, you know you, you might walk into a petrol station one day, and then laugh at the person with no hair with the leather jacket in the mirror, and then you realize that that's you, right? Um, yep. <laughs> you know, so so we all know the dangers of of of, of the hair pulling, but um, you know the, well, the other HIA, way. I, let's get it yeah. done. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. And, and, and look, I'm not too sure about this too, but like, uh, you know, uh, I, I was actually thinking about this as well from the other side of point. I, I think the penalty might have gone the wrong way. I actually think that maybe uh, Jerome Law should have been penalised. A oh, for yeah. having a pretty pretty awful hairdo to begin with. Um, but B, uh, it obstructed Tyson Frizzell from making the tackle. Um, oh, you're claiming you know? obstruction. Well, that uh, would be a, a good one. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, obstruction, a hair obstruction, right? And um, and and, and that would uh, that would negate. Well, that would um, you know, look. I mean, Gordon tells how much hair does he have these days, right? Uh, I think I think. Yes, I think it's coming out of jealousy, right, if I'm being honest. Um, <laughs> well, but he did refer to Brett Hodgson, who had an even worse hairstyle than him back in the day <laughs> during that incident. So I, I don't know what to make of that whole discussion. But, um, but yeah, look, uh, some good points there, Tish. I think uh, I think there's a few things that we need to – the NRL to consider. Maybe they could consider a hair break uh, during the yeah. game. Like, like mm. you know, you, there's usually a drink break during very hot days. Maybe a hair mm. break to allow everyone to just fix their hair up. Um, yeah, halfway through each half, uh, I think that's fair enough. But look, yeah, yeah look. Uh, well, the competition is so close, right? And you know, uh, this year more than any before, so competitive. I mean, there's nothing but a hair length in it, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, so, so that's how close it is. So yeah, yeah. Look, I'm going to finish by saying I don't think you should give the bunker or the NRL referees any further ideas on on how to penalise players even more. With obstruction, it's just going to confuse the bunker even more. But um, look, let's leave it right there, and uh, otherwise we'll be pulling our hair out trying to solve this situation. <laughs> let's leave it to the, let's leave it to our our elders, uh, Peter Sterling, Gordon Tallis, uh, Alan Langer. Let's mm. let's leave it to them to sort out this hair situation because I think they're uh, they're well versed in in this uh, in the follicle wars. Um, but <laughs> that's right. Let's move on to tackle number five. We were talking about players moving. Uh, one very big movement is going to happen potentially imminently uh, with Jack Whiten. Uh, here we go. Tackle number five. Well, Jack Whiten has been in the news this week. We were talking about the state of origin discussion we were having earlier. He also has uh, infamously, I guess, uh, uh, come out and uh, decided to retire from uh, rep football, uh, and that means he won't. He's making himself unavailable for state of origin this year. And one of the reasons for that is he wants to concentrate on uh, on his, uh, you know, on the NRL. And on the uh, and on that line, he's also argued for uh, or asked for a release, I believe, from Canberra Raiders. He wants to go to a club where he feels he has a better chance of winning a premiership. He, uh, you know, he's he's done look, he's done a lot in the game uh, individually and with um, with uh, in in the team sense. But what he hasn't done is won a premiership. So he's very much looking at his legacy. And he wants to uh, move to a club. But look, one thing that's happened is, uh, you know, the, a lot of clubs will be after Jack Whiten's signature. And I think the favourite at the moment is South Sydney Rabbitohs. Uh, and South Sydney, I think, it might be uh, might be offering him a, uh, a four-year deal, uh, much reduced from what Jack Whiten would be getting at Canberra. So he's actually giving up quite a lot of money, probably up to a million dollars in over that four years. Uh, in order to potentially go to a club that he believes that might be a better chance of winning a premiership than the Canberra Raiders uh, at the moment. Um, but look, we're going to talk about that in a second, but I think uh, what I wanted to do was actually 
ask Chad GPT what he thought about this. Uh, Tish, I think you had a chance to talk to Chad earlier. Okay, yeah, Chad, are you there? Let's uh, let's hear your thoughts. Hi, Dr. T and Tish. As an AI language model, I cannot provide a definitive answer as to which club Jack Whiten should join, as it ultimately depends on his personal preferences and priorities, as well as the available opportunities at different clubs. However, if Jack Whiten is a rugby league player, he may consider factors such as the team's recent performance, their coach and staff, playing style and culture, as well as the location and any personal or family considerations. Of course. Ultimately, the decision of which club to join should be based on careful consideration of all available options, and Jack Whiten may want to consult with his agent, family, and coaches before making a final decision. Well, thanks, Chad. Uh, look, Chad is becoming ever the politician. Uh, lots of words and nothing substantial. Nothing substantial. They're well done. We've look, nothing there, yeah. Thanks a lot, Chad. But look, uh, Chad, look, Chad's been uh, dr- drinking a bit too much over the Easter holidays. I think he's, uh, I think he's checked out a little bit. Well, we'll check back in on him next week. Maybe we'll get yeah, some yeah. more out of him. He might, he but might look, need a break. We might, we might have to send him away somewhere. But yeah, that's right, that's right. But surely, State of Origin season is going to wake him up again. I think he'll get right back into it. But look. Regardless of what Chad said, I think he's right, 100% right in everything he said. I think there's a lot of considerations and factors here. But, Tish, um, yeah, I guess I'm going to throw it to you. I thought I, I, mm. I, one of the questions I had was why isn't the Parramatta Eels jumping at this? Mm. Because we need we, – we've had issues with Wonga Blake at left centre, which is Jack Whiten's best position, in my opinion. To yep. me, it's a no-brainer that Parramatta should throw everything at him uh, and, you know, given that they've already lost a few players on it, you might ask, well, what are they going to do with their salary cap? I'm pretty sure they could offload a few players in order to pay for Whiten. Uh, they could do a swap. Um, but look, yeah, that's, I'm just very surprised that it's been all about um, South Sydney. I mean, mm. it would be mouthwatering to have Jack Whiten and Latrell Mitchell in the same team. Uh, however, aren't they both left centres or... Is Latrell playing fullback, or maybe maybe there's yeah, an element Latrell there where you're you're going to put Latrell at fullback? But um, that would be an absolutely unbelievable backline with Johnson there, Campbell Graham. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, who else am I missing? There's quite, there's probably others that I'm missing. But look, um, that would be an amazing combination in the backline there. But but again, I'm and I guess uh, yeah, the uh, there may be other teams that that are uh, have the potential to shuffle around some money and pay for Jack Wyden. But I would have thought, um, look, South Sydney would be a good choice, but Parramatta equally would be a good choice given they just made the grand final and need someone like Jack Wyden to make that extra push. Uh, I I kind of I want to see Jack Wyden in the Eels colours. I think that would make sense. Um, I think that would make sense in the next couple of years that the Eels will be – I know they've had a dip in form, but they would be making their way up again. But, Tish, what are your thoughts about Jack Wyden to the Rabbitohs uh, or are there other teams that, that might uh, benefit from uh, his skills and that he might actually get a premiership with? Okay, okay. Well, uh, let me just address South Sydney for the moment because, um, you know, when I did Google this and try to look into this a little bit, um, you know, the first thing that came up was um, breaking news from the 5th of February, right, which was like uh, Latrell and Jack actually getting arrested in Canberra, right, which uh, obviously is very unfortunate but kind of hilarious now if you think about what's maybe about to happen, right, Jack Whiten going to South Sydney. Like, Uh-oh. has this been boiling since then, right? Have they been talking about it since then, right? Like, I just wonder, right, you know, like um, where it's coming from. But, you know, the other thing that I kind of – look, I don't know how this is going to react, but, uh, you know, South Sydney, they uh, – it wasn't that long ago that uh, they got rid of uh, Adam Reynolds because they couldn't afford him. And they took the opportunity of, like, one of South Sydney's, like, modern favourite sons, you know, having an end-to-end career at South Sydney, the club that he loved. Um, And then you've, you know, denied him the opportunity to be a one-club player and uh, he's gone to, uh, yeah, he's gone to Brisbane, which he's doing well now. But, like, you know, it was so sad. And I think so many South Sydney supporters were upset. And then, you know, Alex Johnston, there was that that campaign, uh, online campaign where people were, like, you know, like, filling out surveys to keep him at the club 
And now what you're doing is you're taking another player who has been a one-club player all of his life from Canberra and sort of, um, you know, he's now been rumoured to join your club. If you couldn't afford Adam, how can you now all of a sudden afford uh, Jack? where it's been rumoured the reason why he's looking to cl- change is not just because he wants to win a premiership, but also uh, for some financial reasons. So, yeah, I don't know how I sit with that. But, you know, uh, yeah. So, so yeah, so I, I wonder how things would actually work out for South Sydney if that was to happen. Um, so let's just say that that that, that doesn't occur then. Then you've got uh, – yeah, and what other clubs you could go to? Look, I don't think the Panthers – uh, uh, I don't think the Panthers have room for a centre at the moment. I don't think they have a problem there. As you said, uh, Parramatta do have uh, some outlook. As, Will Penasini, I think, is a, is a shoe, and I think he's a, a great centre, right? Um, I don't know what happened to Opacek. Is he still at the club? I'm not sure, right? Um, so he now got you got injured. Yeah, think, yeah, yeah. Oh, and then on, you that's talk, a good point, yeah. Yeah, then, then you talk about Wonga, Wonga Blake. But I think, I think, look, I think this is where Whiten... Uh, yeah, Whiten becomes a, a really good f- find uh, because yeah, you can play the centers, and then you could also uh, uh, you could also have him as a utility in case there's an injury to like say Moses, and um, you know, or or um, you know, uh, Dylan Brown, right? Um, and and look, uh, Whiten and Moses have actually played half and five for for New South Wales before, <laughs> right? Wasn't the best. Uh, combination that ever happened but but yeah. but there is a bit of history there too right so it's possible yeah yeah possible so, so yeah and i think i mean i mean like based on 2022 results um you know Parramatta got closer than what south sydney did right to to uh to winning the premiership last year um and i don't think yeah they're that far off so i think i think both these cl- i just don't know if if he adds that much to south sydney i think where south sydney are missing is that they don't really have a key enforcer in the forwards. They've got some great forwards, don't get me wrong, but, like, you know, where's the James Fisher-Harris, the Riggin Campbell-Gillard, the um, the the big dog from the Roosters, whatever that guy's name is, you know? Um, you know, Warrior uh, Hargraves, yeah. yeah Warrior Hargraves, right, you know? Um, you know, they need to get a, a big forward with three first names and um, and then they're good, right? Like... You know that's that's what I think that's what South City are missing. So I, I would probably, if you somehow, um, if you somehow actually, uh, you know, find some money in your cap, South City, I'd probably more try and find some type of enforcer forward rather than a centre because I don't I don't think they're I don't think they're 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 missing that much. Whereas I think Parramatta, I think there's more of an option there. Uh, of course, we'd love to have him at the West Tigers. Um, <laughs> But I don't think that's happening for anybody. So, yeah. So there's, um, but I suppose, yeah. But but time will tell. And um, but I think it's very unfortunate that he's uh, missing. Uh, that he's leaving Canberra. Uh, you know, he's he's been at Canberra for the whole for the whole time. I think, I think all the fans love him over there. Um, so I think it must be quite sad for Canberra supporters to hear him go. He's been, he's been, he's been probably the center of their club. You know, he's been the, um, like you know, it's the play that they've sort of built around and. To have him sort of not want to play there anymore, it's it must be very disappointing for everybody there at Canberra. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, I still think. Uh, well, by the way, Tom Opacic is playing for Hull Kingston Rovers. I thought he's. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I completely forgot he had left us. Anyway, there you go. Um, but look, I think the uh, the key thing here is that, that there is, uh, you know, there are only a limited number of clubs that could possibly take. Jack Whiten, if he wants to win a premiership, and I just sort of thought, you know, he would potentially fit in very well with with the Eels, but you know, I have no idea about their financial situation. Uh, remembering what happened a decade or so ago when they were busted for being way over the salary cap and wrought in, etc. It's, uh, yeah, I don't, um, I don't think it would look good if we all of a sudden have all this cash lying around to get Jack Whiten and. Um, you know, we had to let other players go like uh, Reed Marnie, etc., for for other reasons as well. So, look, who knows where that story ends for Jack Whiten, but he's got a lot of, lot to consider. As Chad GPT said, it's a complex situation. 
and there's a lot of considerations that he needs to take into account. <laughs> yeah. So he's right on that front. Uh, moving on, uh, tackle number six, we are going to go to the tips. Here we go. Last round, uh, I believe I got five correct and you got seven. So uh, our totals are 36 and 30. I'm still trying to catch up and hopefully this round will do it. This is the Anzac round coming up. There's a lot of big games, big clashes and uh, some really tight ones I think we're going to see. Hopefully some big crowds as well. Uh, it starts off on Thursday, this Thursday night, South Sydney Rabbitohs versus the Penrith Panthers. Um, we were just talking about the Rabbitohs. I think, uh, I think they uh, they're in form at the moment. I think the Panthers are just below form, despite having some interesting uh, tight games recently and clutch plays. I think the Rabbitohs. Um, there's a bit of a revenge factor here uh, playing, and I think it'll be, shall we say, a spicy affair. But I think the Rabbitohs will win this one. It'll be uh, probably the game of the round. What about yeah, you? yeah, I'm really looking forward to this game, but I think I will give the Panthers the edge. All right, Eels versus Broncos, the Friday night game at uh, TIO Stadium, which is, I think, in Darwin. Um, mm. Going to be a big one. Eels not really at home, taking their home game against the league leaders, Broncos. <laughs> Probably not a good idea, uh, but uh, there you go. Um I'm tipping Eels. I think they, uh, they've they done enough to show that they're on their way back. But this is going to be the real test. If they can beat them, uh, given the circumstances, they're not technically at home at Combank where they, their fortress is, um, it'll show us that they're, they're contenders again. But I, I think the Eels for this one. Yeah, I'm going to tip the Broncos because I think golden rule of taking your home game away is to... <laughs> Is to don't pick a it. team, yeah, not do it. But if you are going to do it, pick a team that um, that that is not used to the conditions. And the Broncos are a lot closer <laughs> to Northern Territory conditions than yep. what Parramatta is, right? So I think that's I think that's where they've gone wrong. And that, they did the same thing last year with the Cowboys too, right? So yeah. Yep. All right, two games on Saturday. Um, the first one is Bulldogs versus Sharks at Accor Stadium. I think. I think you'd be hard-pressed to tip against the Sharks. I think they're on fire this year, and, uh, mm. yeah, they're, they're, they're building. So Sharks are mine. Yeah, I like the Sharks. I think they're playing well, so I, I think the Sharks are me. And the the, uh, the later game on Saturday is up in Queensland Country Bank Stadium where the Cowboys take on the Knights. I think I, I find it difficult to predict both of these teams this year. Mm. Um and it could go either way, but I think the Cowboys will have the edge at home. Yeah, well, look, um, based on the fact that uh, the Cowboys have uh, no plays in their spine with long hair, I'm going to tip the Knights. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Another kind of local derby, the Dolphins, uh, mm. up against the Gold Coast Titans. It's a Sunday 2 p.m. game at Suncorp Stadium. I'm tipping the Dolphins. I feel like every week there's another Queensland derby. Um, kind of getting bored of them now. Like, can we? Uh, can we not? Can, we, can they play like other teams? Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I look. I, I ooh, yeah. Let me. Yeah, you know what? Let me tip the Titans. Actually, uh, I think I think the Dolphins are on a bit of a slide. Right, they've kind of lost a few games in a row now. I think the Titans are a bit that they played well. So let's see how they go. All right. The only Sunday game is at Campbelltown Sports Ground where the Tigers will take on Manly Warringah Sea Eagles, and I find it very difficult to tip against Manly in this one. I think the Tigers are really struggling. Uh, they, are, they are coming off the bye, so you mm. never know. They might have rested and, you know, tidied up some of their minor injuries. But, you know, without Adam Dewey and just the turmoil that that club is going through at the moment... I find it hard to see anything but a manly victory. Okay, well, um, you know, uh, uh, I'm going to tip the Tigers. Okay, uh, let's let's hopefully we can get our first win. 
Uh, we've got a debuting uh, basketball player playing fullback. Um, so so hopefully uh, he doesn't just bounce the ball but catch them as well. But <laughs> but but yeah, look, uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to Tigers. We need a win, and and hopefully Campbelltown. Uh, maybe this is the start of a new Campbelltown fortress. Who knows? All right, and then we've got the two Anzac Day games on Tuesday. We've got the 4 p.m. one in Sydney at Allianz Stadium. It's the Roosters against the Dragons, and then we've got the Manly, uh, the Melbourne one at Amy Park at 7 p.m. where the Storm take on the Warriors. So, firstly, the Roosters and the Dragons. Uh, look, I know the Roosters have been having a little bit of this turmoil, internal turmoil, uh, and and various issues here and there, and I think. Uh, I don't know about the experiment, experimenting with the halves combinations. I think they're going to struggle. I think the Dragons are going to surprise everyone. Yeah, well, I, I, the Dragons are usually up for this game, but I, I rate the I rate Manu at five eighth. So I am going to I'm going to say the Roosters are going to do it. It's a big game for both clubs, and I think both both teams are going to be super ready for this. But um. I just think, uh, yeah, I just think the Roosters will have a bit more class than, um, yeah, uh, you know, uh, than, than the Dragons, so, so Roosters for mine. All right, and the Storm versus the Warriors then. Uh, look, I think with this one, I, I'm tipping the Warriors, and the reason is I think we've seen them really put some good games together. They're gelling as a team. Uh, Sean Johnson, I think he's he's been uh, uh, now, so I think he's playing. Um, Dylan Walker is there as well, doing some good things. There's there's a lot of good players there that when they bring it together, they they really bring it. And obviously their their coach, um, uh, you know, new coach, but really done some good things this year. Um, up against a Storm team that has just got beaten by Manly, uh, which probably was unexpected for a lot of people. Um, I don't know what to say, but I think the storm at home may put it together. Maybe the emotion of everything might bring them home. I just get the feeling the Warriors will pip them. So I'm going for the Warriors. Yeah, look, I'm going to go for the storm. I think a, more of a mathematical thing. I, they lost last week. I don't see them losing too many times twice in a row. So that's why I'm going to tip the storm. All right, fair enough. And obviously, Canberra Raiders have the buy, which is why Jack Whiten is going around shopping for a new club. <laughs> well done, Jack Whiten. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, that ends the podcast. Uh, Anzac Day is coming up. So for those of you who are in Australia and New Zealand, we will have uh, a Remembrance Day uh, there on the 25th of April. Um, you know, have a uh, – whatever you do on that day, uh, please uh, be safe, be careful, uh, remember what the occasion is all about. Uh, and, uh, and, and yeah, please, uh, we, we would like to, I guess, extend our own uh, uh, respects, pay our respects to the, the Anzacs uh, who, who started this tradition for us who protected us all those years ago, over 100 years ago now. And, uh, and and we we obviously extend that respect to those in the armed forces that continue to protect our shorelines and our uh, and our interior in both of our countries. So for those of you in Australia and New Zealand, have a good Anzac Day. Uh, Tish, over to you to wrap things up. Okay, yeah, well said, Dr. T. And look, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, but that's all the time that we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We are your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.